I need this number to retire. Therefore, this is what the business is worth. Right. Right. Which is right. a crazy, a crazy way to think. People should say that out loud to themselves to make sure that they realize how crazy that sounds. I need this much to retire. That's that. Therefore, this is how much the business has to be worth. So a professional told me how much the business was worth, who knows far more about valuation in the market than I do. And I just went with that number. back to the Apex Business Advisors podcast. I am your host, Andy Cavanaugh. I am not joined by Doug Hubler today. I am recording the opening of this alone as we are going to pick up the second half of our conversation with Stephen Heiner. If you'll remember last week, Stephen got us all the way up to the listing process and now we are going to pick right up where that left off into the marketing, obtaining offers, entertaining offers, and all the way in through training and transition and what is going on with that business today. Enjoy part two of Anatomy of a Deal with Stephen Heiner. Do you recall after you listed it, how many inquiries, buyer meetings, anything along those lines do you, that you recall, Doug, as far as you know, I don't, what I don't, that process took? It seemed like the, the buyer, because he had missed out on one recent deal, that he had he had an offer on, but I think the timing was just right. I think it happened pretty quickly. I don't think you. I don't think we lined up, you know, ten meetings for you, if I remember right. No, no, it wasn't. It was no feeding frenzy, as as you know, you've seen in other cases. But I I do think, as you say, we. I felt very quick to me. I think it was a question of maybe ten days between listing and a meeting with yeah. him. I did. I think Doug said there are a couple of people who are somewhat interested. But it wasn't obviously clear enough to get a meeting with me. The buyer and and I really got along. Just a really mm -hmm. nice guy. Really yeah. nice guy. I can't say enough about him. And I told him, I said, I'm going to Spain. I said, but I will be available. They do have technology in Spain. You know, I will, uh, I will get back to you. And we got an offer when I was in Madrid. So it must have been, let's say, a, a week into the trip. Um, and I called Doug back because it was a little under our asking. And our asking was exactly matched to the valuation. So right. valuation said this, and we said, okay, well, let's ask for this. And this guy is a numbers guy. So he, I'm sure, had his own reasons for critiquing it and, he, and what he counteroffered. And I, I, you know, this is typical, you know, as a, as a seller, you go to your coach, right? Your coach is your broker. You're like, okay, coach, what do I do here? And... Doug said these words, which I think every every seller should hear because we get emotionally tied and there's scarcity, fear, whatever it might be. But it's helpful to hear these words. Stephen, we don't know that you're going to get another offer. And this is something that you have to be clear about is you could have a feeding frenzy and have a dozen people interested, or you may only have one or two people interested, only one of whom makes an offer. You have to, as as the seller, make a call on is this really what I want to do? Am I going to hold out for this magical number? And honestly, this the buyer's offer was not, he wasn't trying to... Uh, oh, he wasn't, it wasn't under... It, under, it wasn't like a, yeah, he, No, it wasn't like a, he wasn't trying to get a 20% haircut. It was something right. like, I think at best, at best 5%. And, and he had reasoning behind it. I countered, I think, splitting the difference in part because I was a rookie 
And I felt like I needed to push at least a little bit of the narrative. And I said, I had this valuation anyway done by this professional. It isn't my number. I didn't make up this number. I didn't come in saying, I need this number to retire. Therefore, this is what the business is worth, right? right? Which is right. a crazy, a crazy way to think. People should say <laughs> that out loud to themselves to make sure that they realize how crazy that sounds. I need this much to retire. That's that. Therefore, this is how much the business has to be worth. So a professional told me how much the business was worth who knows far more about valuation in the market than I do. And I just went with that number. I wasn't sentimental about it. I was in Madrid. I printed out my, my counter offer and I faxed it. It cost me, I think, 10 euros to send that fax. <laughs> and I went to dinner with my sister and said, you know, maybe this may be it. And then I think we heard back a day or two later that he'd accepted. And that's when we went into diligence. Doug, do you remember anything particular that stood out as far as any crazy you know, I think it or... went pretty quickly because uh, Stephen had his numbers all put together everything was ready all the books were clean you know the buyer very intelligent guy smart with numbers so it wasn't difficult for him to get through it and to find a bank that could fund the acquisition so I, I think that was probably all done within 60 days were you on, did you have both buy side and? No, there was okay. another broker in the office with the buyer. And I think that, and that's pretty typical. In a lot of cases though, one of us takes the lead. So I think I ended up working on, on most of the deal. Stephen, from your side, how do you recall diligence going? Well, as someone who isn't excited about, you know, digging out lots of financial reports, I think I just had to keep telling myself that, this is what is necessary to complete this. And Mike, being a financial guy, he already had a spreadsheet ready of, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And I think I just told myself, I said, you have to do this in order for this to be sold to the bank. You just, there's, this isn't an ego thing like, oh, I don't believe Steven, like, you know, you need to prove all this stuff. It's like, well, he has to verify. He's about to give me a lot of his money. He needs to verify this. This is a perfectly reasonable thing. It doesn't mean that you don't get personally tired or frustrated with the list, but it's just don't don't be frustrated with the person. Right? It's not the it's not it's not the buyer's fault. Uh, this is just the process. Yeah. So tr trust the process and and just work through that list and realize one day you're going to get to the bottom of that list. But another aspect of it, talking back to clean books, I'm always surprised to find out just how many people have bad books. I must have gotten very fortunate by having accountants in my life who were willing to on the job train me when I would you know, do things and they would say, Stephen, you can't do this. This, this isn't a deductible expense or Stephen, we can't classify it this way or Stephen, this is, how, this is how inventory needs to be depreciated. I had wonderful accountants who were willing to be patient with somebody who didn't know anything. And as I learned over time, that just meant our books got clean because I was trying to do stupid things, which I didn't know about, and they would just gently correct me. And so it wasn't such a chore for me to do diligence. However, now we can talk what you said, was there something crazy? This is the seed of the confidentiality breach, right? So it's a small company. Word it started to spread. I wasn't trying to lie about it when it started. And there, I found out there was a small cabal of tutors who were thinking about making their own breakaway group. And one in particular, we came to find out through one of my very earliest clients who then sent like four of the children through our, through our process that he was 
taking work outside of of the agency and he was also he was effectively stealing from us come to find out later it was twenty thousand dollars worth that he of tutoring that he'd stolen from us and I, you know, I, I fired him and I told, I told Doug, I said, we have to tell the buyer. And Doug's like, yeah, of course we have to tell the buyer. And later on, Doug would tell me, hey, I didn't know how that was going to go. But oh, uh, sure. the way, the way that you presented it, I think reassured him. And I think that's, that's what I told the buyer. I said, this is my mess. I'm going to clean it up. You will have no legal problems with it. I'm going to assume the fees, but he will be gone and things are going to continue on. And he accepted that. He took me at my word. And this, the sort of side story about that, if, if, if we could be permitted just one minute, because I think it was a really valuable lesson for me. I, I, you know, I fired him and there was like $2,700 on his last paycheck. And he's like, okay, so I, I need that. I said, I'm not going to give it to you. You stole all this money from us. And his lawyer calls and and he says yeah you need to give him his final paycheck and you know i was like from my cold dead hands right <laughs> um he, he, he's he still and this is again un underlining my naivete about the law and he says to me he says look i'm not your lawyer but if you're willing to hear me i i'm going to give you a phrase for you to consider and then take to another lawyer which you can you know consult with he says but sometimes you can't afford to have principles and I, I, I really bothered me for a second, but then he gave a context. He said, look, the state of Kansas has pretty rigid rules about the circumstances in which a final paycheck can be denied. And you can be upset about the fact that you allege that he has, and of course he was using all this lawyerly word, like you allege right. that such and such has happened. But at, at the end of the day, you're going to take this through the court system, engage a lawyer, and you're still going to have to pay out this money. And you're going to be out the legal fees. He said, you go, go, go ask any lawyer you want if you think you can get away with this, with employment law. And I said, okay, well, thank you for the advice. <laughs> After which I did check with some of my friends and they said, yeah, I think you're going to have to pay it out. And it was just one of those really important lessons. I only ended up, let's say, paying $2,700 for that tuition, quote unquote. But that idea of sometimes you can't afford to have principles that you may, you may be saying this is the wrong thing to do and from my cold dead hands and then you what are you going to pay for that you're going to pay all this money to lose anyway so uh, that was that that particular incident this employee stealing from us was not only valuable from a perspective of keeping the deal on track by making sure the buyer was assured by me but also me learning a lesson as a business owner that hey things go awry and sometimes you're still going to have to eat it. After you've mm -hmm. eaten $20,000 of theft, you're going to eat another $2,700 to give to him. Coda to the story, that guy's in jail now, has been for some years for dealing drugs. Uh, clearly, I can't oh. pick them when it, comes, <laughs> when it comes to employees. But but uh, but thankfully, uh, he was fired. The, the, we, went to, we went to close on October the 1st. And as Doug said, I think it was pretty smooth. The buyer dictated that. He said he wanted to close on October the 1st. And I think we probably started the process in June, uh, end of May, June. So it was pretty close to a 90-day thing. Now, reading those books, that, that Harvard Business Press book that I told you about, it had told me, be prepared to have multiple offers, be prepared for something to fall through, et cetera. And I always say, well, mine was this ideal scenario that doesn't happen for everybody because my, my buyer was awesome. It went through in 90 days, sold. I took my employees out to the American. We had a wonderful meal. 
And then the very next day, we all went back to work for the new owner. Uh, not me, not in an executive role, but I was still a tutor at the company. So we still tutored from 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 3 p.m. when students get out of school to sometimes as late as 8, 9, 10 p.m. at night. So the problem was I no longer had any role. And even though I was signed up for 90 days of transition, I was never asked for any of that. And a lot of, I, I would tell a lot of business owners, you may not be asked for any transition advice. You may just be on paper, be on the hook for it. But Mike never asked me for a thing. I think in part because my my team really had it. Right. And I then went on a, a series of trips after that. But the, the other uh, coda to the story, which I want to tell business owners who are thinking about selling, as I said, I would have moved my what was my step three, which was research back to step zero, like read the books beforehand. Something else to do way before this process is what am I going to do now? Because without this major defining hustle of my daily life, in which I was networking, going around town, driving to St. Louis to expand the company, I only had to work, quote unquote, only had to work five or six hours a day. And it was work that I loved. I loved working with my students. I loved helping them learn and get better and and, and have more college options. But it meant that I was brimming with energy at 10 p.m. at night. So I would like Netflix until like 4 a.m. and then wake up, wake up whenever. And this was going on for months, uh, maybe not quite months, six weeks. And I thought, I have to get a job. <laughs> I can't, I can't keep, I can't keep doing this. And I wasn't ready to like go and get some, I, some people were not quite making me offers, but saying, Hey, you know, would you like to consider this? Would you like to consider that? And I said, I don't really want to go full on into something, but you know, maybe just get like a job stocking shelves at Whole Foods. I was immediately rejected by their automated <laughs> system. Right. I think I, I applied and like five yeah. minutes later, they're like, thank you, but no thanks. You know, that was the best uh, thing that happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. And I ended up, I think, getting a job at Walgreens for like for like five or six weeks, which is how long I could stand being told when to go on break and when I could take lunch <laughs> and working for a minimum wage. Um, I even had to take a drug test to get that job, which is just hilarious to me. But but I say all this not that to tell any business owner you also need to work at a minimum wage job after you've just cashed the biggest check of your life, but that you need to think about what it is that you do after. Don't don't repeat the process that I did. Do not Netflix out for six weeks yeah. and then go get a minimum wage job. What you need to do is to think about what it is that you'd like to spend some time on and and do that. Also, give yourself some time off. You know, sleep in some days. Take. I took a few trips with friends. I had a wonderful trip to Grand Cayman with. With uh, with my banker, with my um, with one of my business partners and a close friend, people who I really felt were part of this process with me. But so take some time to celebrate. Take you know, I celebrated with my employees the night of the sale. But make sure that you have what's next. In a in a sense, it's almost as important as any other part of the sales process because it will set you up for what happens after. And even though I'm telling you not to do what I did in the sense of the post-sale, that still helped me figure out what I wanted to do. But I, I think it was a more indirect route. And I would argue for people to take a more direct route than I did. Yeah. So on the going back to the training transition and support of the buyer, I believe you've told us that you stayed in contact with the buyer throughout. And I believe they've since sold, has that company sold two times? It has. So the my last hire 
as a director of operations to back up who was my chosen successor for the president role. Over time, he became the president of the company when the former president, she went off to go become a contractor for the FBI. And he then ran the company as president for a number of years. I, you know, I come back to Kansas City fairly frequently, and I would do things like offer a masterclass for some of the instructors, some of the tutors, like here are things to manage uh, expectations with parents. Here are some of the things you should think about in classroom with students. I appeared on, on, on their podcast a couple times and I, and I would sometimes just bring them lunch. How are things going? You know, these are people, the employees, they helped change my life. Uh, the buyer, Mike, he changed my life. And uh, at minimum, I'm going to take these people out every time I'm in Kansas city. I mean, these people changed my life. And so we stayed in touch. And I remember telling Doug later, I said, is it normal to be in touch with the guy who bought your business like 10 years later? <laughs> and he said, no. no. <laughs> and uh, we stayed in touch. And recently, so in January, the, the the person who is now the new owner of the company, he 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 hinted at something, but I realized he, he couldn't quite tell me. And I thought, oh, he must be under some kind of confidentiality thing. It must be a sale. Okay, I'm not going to say anything else. And then a few weeks later, he said, okay, yeah, I can tell you now I bought the company. So my last hire ended up buying the company and they've, they've continued to do a lot of the things that we did, our fundamentals. I walked, when I was there in earlier this year, the same furniture that I bargained for paying cash to get a discount is still in the offices. <laughs> um, you know, the, the whiteboards I bought, it's, it's a low maintenance business from that aspect. It's whiteboards, desks, chairs, but they were also expanding into areas that I wanted to, that I had put down on the board many years ago. I said, well, we should be doing more career planning. What would you like to do after college? What would you like to do to, you know, what would you like to study in college to set you up for that? So there is much more of a holistic approach now of, okay, yes, we can help you with your, your test prep, but how can we set you up to have a really good start to your career and to your mm -hmm. educational journey? And they're doing all that stuff now. And all for prices. When I looked out at the price list, I said, "Great job, guys! This is even this is this is even more than I would have asked back in the day." But clearly, the brand has continued to build over time, and a lot of the programs that I put in place are still there. So, I think it's a testament to the idea of if you build a business right and you hand it off to responsible people, and they don't they build on that rather than try to radically change things. Some of the horror stories you've shared on the podcast where they suddenly raise prices overnight. Right. Uh, people will go to alternatives and they've just continued to build. And I, I can't say how happy I was that the business has been sold again, that there is, it continues to create value for people, for the people who work there, for, for the customers, for the community. Uh, they've, they've, uh, they've, they give some scholarships to underprivileged children to get uh, test prep. So I'm really proud of what they're doing. And anytime I'm back there, I'm still going to buy the lunch <laughs> and just uh, find out what they're doing. One of the important takeaways here from my point of view and working with Steven through this and what he's he talked about was not taking this process emotionally or bringing emotion into it. It's business decisions. It's pretty straightforward. There's a process to follow. And don't take things personally as a banker or a buyer is not trusting you when they're asking for a list of financial statements or, you know, lists of customers or whatever it is. It's many times it's required by the bank and it's just proper due diligence by the buyer. So we try and educate people and prepare them for that. But 
you know, Stephen's exactly right. It's just take the emotion out of it and just give them what they're asking for. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that Stephen did really well, just kind of in reading through the file that's out on our, our shared drive on it is in addition to taking the emotion out, also taking ego out of it too. And I think a lot of times a seller's ego can get really in the way of closing these sales because they're very passionate and ingrained in the way that they do it. And the buyer has to do everything identical to the way that, that they did it because that's the only way right. that it can be done. And so I think taking that emotion and that ego out of it is something that is a great lesson that people can learn. And speaking of taking ego out of things, Stephen, I want you to do the close. I wanna, I'm gonna take my <laughs> ego out of this. I want you to do the close today. Last word is yours, have at it. Thanks for thanks for joining us. The last thing I would add to what Doug and Andy had shared is what I couldn't have known prior to doing this was selling a business is effectively a seasonal part-time job. You are going to have it until the season ends. And that season may be a long, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, however long it is, but you've got to stay in it. And without a broker to help me navigate through some of this, this is why I'm always baffled when people who have no experience selling a business think that they're going to sell it themselves, that part of having part of what you're paying a broker for is to have someone on your team to help you moving that help keep you moving the ball forward while staying focused on your business. And don't underestimate the time it takes to sell a business. It is a part-time seasonal job, which you didn't ever, you've never done before, and you need to account for that. And and if you're buying it or selling a business, Apex Business Advisors has got you covered. You got us, fam. <laughs>